severely messed Artists like their boots are torn to shreds The government will spoil your hopes and dreams By offering a useless retreat and scheme There's such amazing talent, why can't you see That the government has decimated the industry And now the years of hard work have been thrown away Just get a real job Hello, I am Jamie McKinley and welcome to episode 35 of Just Get A Real Job, the podcast where we speak to emerging creatives and creatives alike. How are you all doing? I am just in from my my first shift back at my real job after about two or three weeks off, so it's always the worst when you have to go back to work after the annual leave, especially if it's a job you don't particularly love but you know as artists we all have to work jobs to support ourselves sometimes and to be honest I'm just very grateful to have a job at the moment in this pandemic so I shouldn't moan too much. If you are a new listener welcome to the podcast thank you for listening. If you're a returning listener welcome back and thank you for your continued support. Just a FYI I mean if you enjoy today's episode and you're interested obviously this is episode 35 so that we've got lots and lots of great episodes in our back catalog now they might not be, all be for you but definitely have a look at them check some of them out some great conversations to be heard with some really really interesting people and also something else i wanted to touch on was i kind of spoke about it in last week's intro i was feeling very down last week and this week's actually mental health awareness week and uh, something I've always tried to do on the podcast is have very, very open conversations about my own mental health, about the guest mental health. I think especially in the creative industries, it's really, really easy to get down and get sucked into things. And this industry can be really, really hard going and it can really burn you out and spit you out. So you've got to be careful and I think you've got to be able to talk. It's really, really important. Uh, and I think I'm very lucky that I'm quite a good person for opening up about how I feel to friends and family and things. I know a lot of people struggle with that, but I just wanted to mention this because, you know, it's totally okay to not be okay sometimes, especially for the men out there. I know men in particular are really bad for bottling things up. So I just, again, want to acknowledge that mental health is important. As I say, I had a really, really quite a tough week last week. I was really down. I got rejected from a job I really wanted. And yeah, it was the worst, probably one of my worst weeks this year. And I guess it just goes to show even people like me who do the podcast and give out lots of advice and talk about the importance of well-being and things, you know, we're all fallible. Like, you know, even I fallible. Like None of us are immune from it. We all have ups and downs in life. We all have lows and that's okay. That's totally normal. But just remember, if you are in a dark place and you are feeling down, you're not alone. There's lots of amazing resources, you can places you can go. I know the NHS isn't good enough at dealing with mental health and I know we're in the middle of a mental health crisis. I have lots of friends and family that, that suffer from particularly bad mental health and I know that we don't have the systems in this country and probably worldwide to deal with that, but there are resources out there and places you can go and I'm going to link some of them in the show notes today as well. But anyway, it's time to introduce this week's episode. And this week on the podcast, I spoke to violinist Andrea Jardine, and I very, very much enjoyed my conversation with Andrea. It was great to speak about things like her first playing the violin and, you know, overcoming her anxiety around performance and, you know, the importance of music in schools and education and things like mental health. It was a really, really enjoyable conversation, and I hope you enjoy it too. Hi Andrea, nice to meet you. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good. Yeah, just chilling out on my holiday from work. Nice. Well, I, I very much appreciate you giving us some time today when it's a very sunny day to, to chat 
it's good to have a violinist on the podcast. You're the first one. Ooh, yay. That's exciting. Well, I've got lots of things to talk to you about because I know you're like working in a school at the moment and you'd like done a degree in classical music and stuff. So I'm going to have lots of interesting things to talk about. But we usually like to start the podcast by asking all our guests what your earliest creative memories are. Ooh, that's a good one. Well, I remember when I was like really young, I really loved writing stories and plays and just kind of acting them out to like my family members. So on my mum's side, my mum's Norwegian. So oh, cool. Uh, my dad's Scottish. So I just remember it was, I think it was Christmas. I was maybe about four. I'd made up, I, I can't even remember what it was, but I just remember I'd made up like a play and I was just kind of going on my own speed and I was just like to my sister and cousins like come on keep up keep up why are you not keeping up with me (laughs) and then I was just like dancing and then I just remember like I don't know my family watching and they were just like oh cute they were just drinking their wine and then I noticed they weren't paying attention to me so I just like screwed out attention (laughs) on me and yeah that's just kind of like that's still like an ongoing joke like 18 years later as well so we just bring it up. So yeah, definitely kind of writing stories and plays. Like I would always like read these stories out to my best amour. So that's my grandma on my mom's side. And she always plays classical music in her house. And she said like when I was about a year old one time, I couldn't like, I was just really hyper. And she just put on this music and yeah. it was just like, I just sat and listened and was like, oh my God, this is amazing. Yeah. And also kind of ballet music. So because... In my family, it's like I've only got two male cousins, so it's a very like female heavy family. So we watched a lot of like kind of the Barbie films. So it was like mm. Barbie Swan Lake, The Nutcracker, and it was the music, the music by Tchaikovsky just played. And I just remember like obviously watching the film, but then the music, I was just like, oh, this is so cool. And even now, I still listen to that music, and I'm just like. Yeah, I, I, had, I had quite a lot of female cousins growing up as well and they used mm. to always watch the Nutcracker and Barbie so that you oh, the Barbie good. they're so good like some nostalgia there for me I just remember it being yeah. on at my grand's and stuff like we'd all my whole family would go to my grand's on a Monday and like my little cousins would always they, like they would always have those sort of films on so I, I do vividly remember that actually <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's such like a specific memory yeah like I was talking to one of my friends about it and then she was just like do you remember Barbie princess and the popper and I was like yes <laughs> and that's like oh my god oh I feel so old now <laughs> <laughs> I know lots of it I get loads of nostalgic stuff speaking to people about the same age as me about like things they did when they were younger and I'm like um, yeah. I'll, be do- I'll be doing an interview and I'll be like oh my god yes I remember this show yes. it's like bringing back all these memories so it's good fun for me as well well sort of my next question is it's kind of about it's just, it's kind of ties into this but it's about like sort of how where you're from has sort of influenced your creativity and I know you said as well you're half Norwegian which is will also yeah. sort of make this even more interesting but where about in Scotland did you grow up so I'm from Dumfries that's where my dad's from and all that side of the family so obviously Robert Burns is a big yeah um, yeah like he's not from Dumfries but he lived there for a while and wrote most of his best works and he died there so as a tourist if you go to Dumfries you've got like Burns statue Burns house this is where Burns passed out on a night out tourist (laughs) trap this is where Burns went to buy his milk so there's a lot of interesting history there so like uh, obviously Burns night is a big thing there yeah that's definitely had like some kind of part to play nice little pun there um (laughs) but and also Calvin Harris is from Dumfries he went to yeah Yeah. he's a Dumfries high school alumni and so am I so I'm always (laughs) like 
Oh, I went to the same school as Cal. So I know. Not the, yeah. not the same time, but that, that's quite a big some, yeah. celebrity to have from your school. Yeah. I think I think our one was Dougree Scott, so he's not quite as famous mm-hmm. as Calvin Harris, but you always have that one celebrity like you claimed yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's really funny, kind of like at Christmas time, because then people, it's like everyone just goes crazy and they're like, oh, I saw my, I was like, I saw Calvin Harris. Oh, really? Where did you see him at the big Tesco? It's like. Ooh. Oh, the, the so big got, Tesco, wow. Yeah, we've just got Tesco and then the big Tesco. You always is, have that in a small town, yeah. don't you? You always have the, the big shop. You're like the big Asda yeah. and, or the, the big Morris. Yeah, even if there's just yeah. one, it just gets called the big whatever. It's a very, yeah. Scot- it's a very Scottish thing, though. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, so I think kind of being from there and there's a lot of like nice art there as well. So one of my mum's friends, Helen, she's like a mixed media artist and her influences are it's very like Scandinavian influences mm. she has in her work so yeah there's a lot of like nice art from Dumfries and Galloway we've also got the home of Peter Pan as well so GM oh my god well. yeah I love I didn't know yeah. Dumfries had all these things yeah so yeah definitely there's all these kind of things so yeah we've got jm barry so the writer peter pan is from there so there's all those elements coming there so i guess they've kind of influenced the creativity because there's all like different things going on and then in norway kind of growing up we do more than norwegian traditions even though i've always lived in scotland but we celebrate christmas eve and then 17th of may is norway's national holiday so we take those kind of traditions really seriously. So yeah. we have, I, I can't remember some of the like traditional Norwegian songs, but they have like, I really like the folk music from there. So mm. it's very like strings heavy. So I don't know if that's maybe like kind of brought me to playing violin, but it's like the same there. It's like the music and art and the culture there with like the kind of history with the Vikings and yeah. the Norsemen and the Norse gods and everything. So yeah, it's just a very kind of creative cultural hub. Yeah, some rich yeah. stuff going on there and you're, yeah, when you're growing up, definitely having an influence, I imagine. So yeah. you started playing the violin when you were eight then. So that yes. was quite, do you remember like first picking it up? How did that come about? So when I was in P4, we got letters saying, oh, you can learn a string instrument free of charge on a Saturday morning. And it was mm. half hour lesson, half hour music theory and half hour like orchestra work and then as you got up it would be like orchestra rehearsal would be an hour and everyone in my class was signing up for it so obviously I was like I don't want to be the only one not signing up to learn an instrument at the same time my friends and I were very into making dance routines we made a dance routine to Oops I Did It Again by Britney Spears which I painfully (laughs) remember doing at golden time and nobody clapped except for one of my friends who for the support so yeah I think at the time my friends and I wanted to be in a girl band and then one of them said yeah one of them said oh Andrea you're not really the best at singing but it's like oh but good thing we're going to learn instruments and I'm like yeah I can do an instrument (laughs) and then so it was kind of like everyone in the class was doing it I remember picking up the violin and I was just like "Mm, this is cool and then I just wanted to play it all the time, even though it just sounded like it just sounded really shit. So every time I played it, like I could just see like my parents like cringing. They're like, very good, amazing. And then I remember my mum was trying to tune the violin for me and one of the strings snapped. And then after that, I was just so protective. I was just like to her, you are was like, you're never touching my violin again ever so then that's kind of like stuck with me a bit so now it's like with people that I teach like when they're beginners I always tell them I would advise against tuning your own instrument yourself but with the pandemic we've had to adjust but yeah kind of picking it up it was just really cool and I just wanted to play it all the time and then there was like some times where I just like couldn't be bothered and I remember when I started high school like pretty much all my friends had quit 
And then I said to my mom, oh, I want to quit the violin. And usually I gave up a lot of hobbies. My parents were just kind of like, yeah, okay, give that up. But then my mom said, oh, are you just quitting? Like, do you want to quit? Or is it because all your friends have quit? And I said, I don't know. And she said, keep it going for like the next school year. And then if you're not happy, like at the end of the school year, we can like look at mm look at you like I don't know getting a new hobby but luckily that year I got a really really good teacher who I'm still in touch with now so it was like thanks to her that I kept it going and was like oh I can do this and it just I don't know just clicked and then from then it just more motivated to practice and yeah um, well it's a good job you didn't quit then that's this yeah <laughs> No, what do you remember? Like, because and obviously, I know, like when you were a teenager and stuff, you played with like the Scottish and ensemble and stuff. So, do you remember like a moment in your teenage years when you sort of went, "This is what I really want to make my like sort of life's vacation"? Almost. Hmm, that's a really good question. So, I think it was twenty thirteen. So, oh, about eight years ago, I got invited to do like a workshop with Nicola Benedetti, famous yeah, yeah. violinist. And that was the first ever. She has a, her Benedetti Foundation and Benedetti Sessions, which is all for music education. So that was like the kind of first one. So I always take pride, like, oh, I took part in that, and it was just kind of kind of like an open orchestra rehearsal. So. We got given the music before and then we could practice it like with our teachers and then we just met and like this evening and then there was like an audience watching us perform and it was just kind of like seeing her play I was just like oh this is so fun and then I remember afterwards it was just kind of like it was a bit awkward and people like they kind of looked like they wanted to go and like speak to her but like no one did it so I was just like fine I'll do it and I just like went up to her and I got a picture with her she signed an autograph and I just remember I was like oh it was so brave and I did that and yeah that just kind of like stuck with me but then it was when I played with the Scottish Ensemble that was a kind of workshop thing so they were doing a concert in Dumfries and they'd invited some of like the kind of senior orchestra members from our music yeah. tuition then they were doing one of the pieces and they there was like a solo bit and they just said oh Andrea do you fancy playing the solo and I was like okay sure so <laughs> I did that and then I remember there was like a website and they were saying oh the solo it was like oh like young violinist like Andrea Jardine took to the stage and did a solo and then it was just kind of reading that I was like oh I love hearing like it's like with music like I love hearing how it like makes people feel so people are always saying oh I love that piece it made me feel so and so so it's just kind of like I don't know it was just like that that just kind of clicked like oh I could see myself doing this like forever yeah that's quite impressive as well I mean quite a young age to be like doing a solo and you know taking yeah. to the stage and stuff so yeah that's that's very that's very cool as well to have been part of that well my next sort of question before we go into your time at university was just and it's a fun one as well and I might be cheeky and ask you for two since you're half Norwegian but do you have like a favorite word or phrase from where you're from yeah, I'm going to ask for two. Yeah. Okay. Um, cool. So favorite phrase from Dumfries is uh, Dunhamer. So Dunhamer is it's just like from Dumfries. And it's the nickname for the Queen of the South football team. Like, oh, really? Out yesterday. I did yeah, not like, know that. I, I, I don't think I've yeah. ever been to Dunfries, actually. I've been to most of yeah. Scotland. I don't think I've ever been to Dunfries. So, yeah. There you no, go. you'll need to go and then see all the burns sites. I know. See, I know. yeah, see where he passed out, and <laughs> yeah, and then oh god, one from Norway. Um, I don't know. I guess one that I like to say, or I've always heard my mum say. So if she's listening to this, then like uh, <laughs> she'll be fine. Uh, one is a uh, fee fan, which just means what the fuck. So nice, nice. Yeah, so my mum's just always like, if she drops something, she's just like. Oh, fun and it's, it's just really like aggressive to say so <laughs> we, that, yeah that's one yeah. of my favorite ones from norway so. it's a good that's no, cool we did briefly have like a weird audience in norway in february we were like 
the fifth or sixth like top yeah. performing arts podcast in Norway, which was bizarre. And then since then, the Norway audience seems to have fallen away. But oh, if if they come back, send it then, to my family. <laughs> yeah, please. Yeah, <laughs> I was hoping to get a free holiday out there or something at the way it was going. But <laughs> no, let's go. So you go to Napier in 2016 to study class is it classical music you did yeah yes and the course it was called like music bmos so like bachelor of music but there's two music courses there's just music which is like the kind of classical one and then popular music which is more for like guitarists drummers more kind of modern side and yeah so so how did how did that sort of come about like i obviously you were talking about you were playing violin doing a solo on stage with mm-hmm. the like scottish ensemble and stuff. was that sort of when you were like i'm gonna go to uni and i'm gonna like pursue this even further yeah so when i was in school i was constantly changing my mind of what i wanted to do from like a really young age so when i was four i wanted to be a post lady and then when i was <laughs> like nine I wanted to, like, we went to Florida and we thought we went to the space station, NASA, and then for a week I wanted to be an astronaut. Yeah. And I wanted to be a midwife. Yeah, and then I really wanted to get into film, so I was like, oh, I want to be a film director, or oh, I want to be a screenwriter, and then I just said, I want to work in the media. Um, <laughs> for a while I wanted to do photography, and in school I, like, loved languages. Like, I did German up to my hire, so I always take pride that I got the full marks for my speaking exam for German. So <laughs> Amazing. So flex. So for a long time, I, I like thought for a while, oh, maybe I could do languages at uni. And then with music, like I enjoyed it. But then I always thought, oh, I'm not good enough. I don't have my grade eight or whatever. Like if I apply, I'll just get rejected. And then I think it was kind of like just before my last year of high school, I just like thought, oh, if I did something like, I don't know, photography or languages at uni, like I'll probably never pick up my violin again. And then I was like, oh, oh, that makes me really sad. And then... When I got my higher results, they were a lot better than I was expecting. And then I just, like, right there, I was just like, right, fuck it. I'll just, like, apply for music. Like, what's the worst that could happen? Mm. No, I mean, that. I think that does happen to, like, a lot of people that play, like, an instrument in school. I hope he doesn't mind me, like, just totally outing him on this podcast. Mm. One of my best friends, Sam, was, like, a very good clarinet player. And he went to uni to biology or something. And he's, Mm. I don't think he, I don't think he really plays the clarinet anymore, which is a shame. If you're listening, Sam, get that clarinet out, man. Get pl- get playing again. <laughs> but uh, no, so like, how was the course there for you? Did you enjoy it? The four-year course and stuff, was it good? Yeah, yeah, I did. It was hard. It was a lot harder than I thought it would be, but I made it to the end. So yeah, I think when I started, I went to all uni open days. And then I just remember with Napier, the course, it was very like kind of the first two years, it's very like 50-50 academic and the other half like being performance-based. So I thought, oh, that's great because I didn't really know what I wanted to do afterwards. And yeah, it was just like the lecturers were really supportive and the campus as well, like Marcusin campus, like we had our, uh, the music bit is kind of like soundproof in like the basement and then there's 24-7 access to, to the practice room. So yeah, yeah. If I wanted to like practice at 3am, which I never did, then I knew, oh, I could just go there. So I applied there and then I had my audition and yeah, I remember like skipping out like, oh, that went really well. And then, and then I had like a really good feeling. And then a few days later I got my offer and I was like, and, but yeah, the course was uh, really good. I think I was quite naive when I started because my violin teacher, he is very like direct and straight to the point. And I just remember crying in my first lesson because <sighs> I was playing and he was like, why are you doing that? It's like, why are you doing that for your hand? Why are you holding your bow like that? And I was just like, because mm. I'd always been told by teachers, oh, you're so good. Amazing. So, yeah, yeah. and then just being told. And then I was just remember like 
crying and then I like, kind of pulled myself together and I was thinking like oh my god am I am I cut out to be a musician and then like each lesson got better I remember my first performance exam I was so nervous I actually failed it and then I remember I was just like phoning my mom like I'm gonna drop out of uni like I'm not good at anything else I'm, I'm a failure and then my mom was like well just come home for a few days you're not a failure then I did my second performance exam for that semester and I passed it really well and then they just because it's first year they just overlooked the other one so they said because you passed this one and like it's not counting towards your degree then it's fine yeah second year was really hard I put like a lot of pressure on myself because um I have anxiety so that was a kind of bad year mentally so I wasn't really like looking after myself I was wasn't sleeping enough I wasn't eating very well and then I did my performance exam I was just I just remember that day I was just really depressed and just like going in and then I knew it went really bad and then I got my mark and I didn't pass that one and that just like I just completely broke down I had to get Mm. signed off uni for a wee bit but the lecturers were really supportive and then again with the second performance exam that next semester I passed it and again second year not counting didn't count but then third year I think the last two years were a lot better because performance was optional so in my third year, I did performance like both semesters, but the first one was like ensemble. So it was like working in like groups. Yeah. And I did a teaching module, which I really enjoyed. And obviously music history, which I found so interesting, even though it was a lot of like very academic stuff. Um, but I'm a big nerd. Like I actually like writing essays. And <laughs> if it's something that I love, then I can write about it for pages and pages and pages. And I did, um, yeah, I did a module. It was like an introduction to music therapy. And I found that so like fascinating and like amazing how music can do that. And now like doing that, I'm hoping to go into music therapy. So I want to do my master's in that and then become a qualified music therapist. Which is incredible. Yeah. So yeah, my last year was probably, even though like COVID cut it short, was probably like my best year because I didn't do a recital. I chose to do like a dissertation, so an honours project. So I looked at kind of looking at the impact of community choirs on mental health and well-being so I set up my own choir that ran for yeah ran for eight weeks and then before and after singing people would rate their mood on a scale of one to ten with obviously one being really low and ten being the highest and it was really interesting because there was like there was an impact but it was like too short to tell of it for like a longer period of time so I obviously wrote that up saying oh if I did this project again I would do it for a much longer time and I was going to do a presentation about it and that was going to be like part of my word count. And I made like a whole event on Facebook and even shared it to my LinkedIn. I was like, yeah, come to my, come to my talk. It's going to be graded, but I would love to see people there. And then obviously coronavirus lockdown. So I had to do my presentation just at home and it was just really <laughs> weird, like talking to my laptop, like, yeah. hi, good evening. I'm so glad you could all make it. And I was just like, why did I say that? But... <laughs> it's an odd um, thing yeah. yeah yeah I enjoyed like what I did in my like last year because last year you just had complete reins of like everything that you could pick so because I knew my strengths were in the more academic side and some of the practical stuff so I did a music psychology module which was really interesting and I did like the second teaching module so in the first one I was teaching that an adult beginner and then for this one I chose to teach a seven-year-old girl so it was really interesting to kind of teach different people and yeah I did like music analysis as well which was very intense but I enjoyed it yeah but yeah I, I did enjoy the course like I did a lot of orchestra as well so we've got the chamber orchestra so I was involved in the society there so in my third year I was secretary and then I was president for the for my last year so I managed to organize a concert with like the help of our lecturer who's a conductor 
and other committee members. So we all we all pulled it off really well. There was like everything ran smoothly, like no one was stressed. And then I was really excited for the last concert because I was like, oh, my last ever uni concert. And then we unfortunately had to cancel that one. Yeah. which it was like disappointed but not surprised yeah. yeah I miss yeah I kind of miss being at uni but I'm like kind of glad like it's like my undergrad is over and now I can like get out and do other stuff for a while yeah I feel I do particularly feel quite sorry for people who didn't get to properly yeah. finish their undergrad I mean my master's was cut short but I le- kind of feel mm-hmm. like I got I, at least I got the first proper experience yeah. and I'd already had it I just wanted yeah. to quickly to touch on something because I read your blog before this interview which was really I really enjoyed and I know you actually you were really open as well and I appreciate you being open now on yeah. the podcast but you're really open about how your sort of struggles with mental health while playing violin mm-hmm. and like how you get like sort of nerves and stage fright so I just wondered yeah. it might be useful for the listeners and because a lot of us can relate to this in whatever mm-hmm. art form we're doing but like how did you sort of overcome the sort of stage fright with violin so I think a lot of it kind of stemmed from knowing I was like getting graded and getting marked so that didn't really help so like some people perform amazing under pressure because it's there and like yeah. some people just don't get nervous which I'm very jealous of but I'm like we're human and everyone gets nervous so I found with that it was just kind of like getting myself to like do performances yeah like we had at Napier we had like lunchtime concerts on like a Wednesday afternoon so you could put yourself forward to play a piece that you're working on and it was like open for like everyone like on campus and like you can invite friends and family so I remember I did one and that it was kind of coming up to my performance exam so I was like I'll just play this piece I also did some orchestra playing for Glasgow Philharmonia which is an orchestra set up in Glasgow by Ross Gunning and he's a conductor and percussionist and he actually taught me music theory for a month before my uni edition so he really helped me with kind of like prepping for the interview side so I've done some concerts for him with like his orchestra mm. and I remember it was one it was I think it's 2018 and there was uh it was a kind of local theatre production they were doing a production of Oliver and we were they're looking for musicians and then obviously when you're like playing theatre productions it's a much smaller orchestra so it's like one violin one cello and so on so I did that and I really enjoyed that because you're kind of watching the show at the same time but you're also playing so it's such like a different it's such like an interesting perspective and then with that one it was one of the pieces it was like violin solo I was like mm. so I remember in the rehearsals I was so nervous and then just kind of on like the nights of the shows I just had like all the adrenaline so it just yeah. it helped theirs it's just I'd say kind of getting yourself out there and even playing in kind of like theater productions or in orchestras and most of the time when you're playing if you make a mistake the audience don't even know though so, and as long as you like keep playing then you're fine but if you like me have a very like interesting expressions when you play if you kind of like grimace if you hit a bum note then the audience will be like oh she made a mistake so it's just kind of keeping zen keeping like neutral and just yeah, yeah just playing like if you make a mistake like so what just keep going yeah exactly no I mean it's not an easy thing to do I mean yeah. I've performed in the past and like I mean, I feel not not in the as technical a way as that. Like that would be really. Because mm. I feel like when you're playing classical music like that, it's probably very easy to pick up on a mistake. Where perhaps if you're in like a rock band or you're singing or something, it's not going to be. It's more subtle. I feel like if you make yeah. a mistake as a violinist or something, it's probably more obvious. So that probably adds mm. quite a lot of pressure as well. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, abs- I mean, it's pretty normal to feel a bit anxious about that, and I think most people listening will totally relate. Well, I'm. We started to come on to what you've been up to now, and I know. I know when you graduated you've been working as a support assistant in a primary school yeah. 
So how have you been finding yeah. that? And is that just teaching music or is it more general just as a supporter as well? Yeah, so when I finished uni, like end of May last year, I like took a break, I read a lot of books and then from kind of June to October, I applied for maybe over 60 jobs. Yeah. Had maybe, I don't know, 10, 11 job interviews. And then kind of like, I don't know, that kind of like developed like a thick skin because then it was like the first kind of rejections, I was like, oh, I was really disappointed. And then like the more kind of rejections, I was just like, oh, oh well. They're lost. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or it's like some, or they just do the worst thing where you apply and then they never get back to you. Or you have, or that happens worse, so often. You, ha- you have an interview and they're like, we'll be in touch and they never get in touch. Oh, it's, it's the like, worst. It's terrible. I mean, stop I- ghosting me. <laughs> I probably get about uh, yeah. I feel like I on a, I probably get about five ghosts a week, maybe several, yeah. several rejections. So you do grow a thick skin, and I think to be honest, yeah. I, I think if you can, it's hard. But I think if you can view it in a positive mindset, like I'm, yeah. I'm just going to turn this into a positive and keep going, it, it can actually be quite yeah. an empowering thing to to keep not getting jobs. <laughs> yeah, because I remember my parents. Uh, they were saying yeah, it was my parents, and also my flatmate and his girlfriend. They were saying how. They're really impressed how it was like despite getting all the rejections i just like kept applying for jobs and kind of still prepared for interviews and i just like didn't give up and then when i had some in like i mostly applied for people's support assistant roles because i want to go into music therapy so with that you need to have some experience like working with like kind of different like communities of people and i really want to use kind of like the music therapy work with children so i thought it would be it would make sense to kind of get that experience and it was some interviews I had, they like phoned the next day and I was thinking, oh, did I get the job? And they were saying, unfortunately, we're not giving you the job, but we really liked you. And like, if we had two posts, we would give the second one to you. And I was like, oh, that's really kind. Thank you. Do you have any feedback as so I can take for future interviews? And they're like, no, you're perfect. And I'm just like, why didn't you get me the job? Yeah, I know. so perfect. <laughs> so then with the school I'm working at now, the interview, it like flowed really well. And I'd like researched the school website and then saw the kind of stuff they were doing. So then when they were like, do you have any questions? I was like, oh, I noticed you, you do this for these charities. And then it was just like, it was very natural discussions. And then I remember getting like a phone call and then I was thinking, oh, if I got the job, but then part of me was like, oh no, it's going to be a, fortunately we're not taking you. But then they were like, oh, we love, we really loved you. We really want to give you the job. And I was like, yes. So, oh, I was so happy when I got that. And so that was October time. And then my PVG took a while to get checked because of COVID. So I started beginning of December. And so then I was there for like three weeks and then Christmas break and then lockdown. And oh my God, that was so intense. It was like just um, having, it was the kids whose parents are key workers or kids. Yeah, key workers, kids and kids who have like vulnerabilities. So like additional needs, meaning like they need ongoing support or or, like any kind of issues going on at home. So with my job, I give like general support. It's mostly kind of with like literacy and numeracy. So and with that, it's like I always like kind of learn new things every day. So I'm thinking, okay, that kind of support, that child didn't really engage with that. And then help and then the next day I like try something new and then I'm like okay that worked better and in this like lockdown like with the kids that were in they were in kind of bubbles I was in a p4 p5 one and that was the biggest bubble so there was like teacher and then me another assistant and then it got to like some days a week because it was like such a high level of need there was three assistants it was very intense and I really felt for the kids because it was like it wasn't like normal school and I always felt horrible if like I had to like tell them not to do something because they had iPads where they would check into their online check-ins with their teachers but then 
they would just like take the piss and just like go on the iPads and play Slither IO and I had to the amount of times I had to say um uh, can you put the iPads away and then I've been told oh you're so mean Miss Jardine you don't want us to have fun and you're ruining my life and I'm just like <laughs> okay like I've just told you to put an iPad away okay cool um so yeah then me and some of the teachers and like the assist and like the other PSAs we were saying like it's not really productive for them to be on screens all the time so I said oh because I have a music degree I could do like some kind of music activities with them so obviously with COVID like some of the guidance is you can't sing indoors which is annoying because that's like the kind of go-to music activity you would do in school yeah, so yeah. i did ones with like body percussion and it was it's like with the activities i just like made it up on the spot so it was like i would clap a rhythm i would look at someone clap the rhythm and then they would turn to the next person yeah. so it's to kind of help with like tuning into other people to show like oh i'm listening to you having a conversation and you're like taking turns and then it was like a few weeks later a teacher was like oh so maybe we'll do some rhythm with miss jardine yeah and I was like yes I've done something right so I'm like <laughs> I'm starting to shape like the next generation of musicians early it's amazing Hello, it's Jamie and Elliot here. I hope you're enjoying today's episode of Just Get A Real Job. I just wanted to remind you guys that if you're enjoying the podcast, word of mouth is the best way for us to grow. So please, if you can, share us on social media, tell your friends and family to listen. You can also support us by giving us a review on Apple Podcasts. We really appreciate your help. So anything you can do to help us grow this project is very much appreciated. We do appreciate your support as always. And if you would like to contribute or donate to our podcast, we also have a patron page where you could donate as little as much as you wish you can access this by going to www.patreon.com slash just get a real job so thank you very much again for all your support and you can also find a link to the patreon page in the show notes but anyway now back to today's show well this is sort of my next question which i know is an area you're very passionate about and i know elliot will be editing this and he'll get very animated because it's <laughs> a big big passion of his he always mentions it but um, sort of the importance of well, the arts in general, but more specifically music at a young age in education and like music tuition. I know you're very passionate about that. So I just wondered if you would be able to sort of talk about the benefits just for the listeners that, mm-hmm. that kids get from like learning music at a young age. Yes. So like music, it's a very universal thing. Like, I don't It's like if you're having a conversation with people, like one of the first kind of like things like I would usually say is like, what kind of music do you like? Or, yeah. Like it always kind of gets into discussion there. And then like in primary school, there's always back in the early 2000s, I just remember there would always be kind of like songs for things like we would sing songs at assembly, like a tidy up songs and and everything. So I think I was really lucky that we were offered like free music tuition because that project is called uh, Music Works. It's still going, but now people like Dumfries and Galway Council, they don't fund it anymore. So people have to pay for it. And then... With that, like, not everyone's, like, fortunate enough to have parents, like, pay for music lessons just, like, without thinking. So it's like, oh, 50 pounds for a two-hour piano lesson, fine, no problem. And some people, like, they just don't have the luxury to do that. But yeah, with music education, it kind of helps with a lot of other things. Like, it can help with coordination as well. So if you're, like, doing body percussion, for example, or kind of, like, keeping a pulse, like, you can, like, stamp your feet and then, like, clap something different with your hands. So it can help with kind of hand-eye coordination definitely with violin as well because you're holding it up and like your left hand is like putting fingers down and then your right hand is bowing and plucking the strings Mm. so with so many and like same with piano like you've got use your feet for the pedals and then your left hand right hand 
like I'm trying to get back into piano and I've realized how uncoordinated I am with piano it's like <laughs> I can do it with my hands just and then it's like adding in the pedal I'm like oh this is too much yeah, yeah, yeah. so it helped and also with kind of like numeracy and stuff so because there's always like beats in a bar so you can have like two beats three four and then there's also fractions as well with like your note values and like kind of subdivision of notes yeah it's also like a nice way to communicate with people because then if you're like you're playing like a group of musicians it's like you're kind of like listening to each other and then thinking okay how does my part of music fit into this bit and yeah does it make so it's kind of like you can translate that to a conversation so it's like if you're talking about, I don't know, politics, and then you just jump in and start talking about, oh, I went to a cheese farm the other day. It's like, how does that fit into politics? Okay. So it can really help with a lot of things. And then with music therapy, it's not just like teaching people how to do an instrument. It's like you're kind of making music together. So a child could be like hitting a drum or like just shaking a tambourine, just like smacking it on the floor. Like that's perfectly fine if they want to do yeah. that. Fine. And then the therapist, like with whatever instrument, like they could be singing or piano, guitar, they just play like with them. So it's like they kind of follow like what the client's doing. So you could like bash out notes on the piano. So it's a lot of improvisation, which I really like about it. And there's also kind of, there's no pressure to play like anything that sounds particularly mm-hmm. like musical. And then, yeah. But I have a big belief that everyone's musical. Like, no, they are. have like yeah. our own, yeah, we all have our own like halls. We all have our own temple that we walk at and like our pitch when we speak. Yeah, I, I just it's expression as well. Like it's yeah. a form of expression. I'm just I'm very very like a massive advocate of like the arts mm-hmm. in school and and using it as a, and young people and all people. I think everyone Definitely. should I think everyone should embrace their creative side every day, no matter what yeah. you do, because I think it's so beneficial for mental health. Absolutely. But like as a kid and stuff, like drama and music were like a huge part of my like youth and like mm-hmm. I'm dyslexic and dyspraxic, so I was terrible. I didn't learn in the same way that a lot of kids learned. I was a slow learner. Okay. I really struggled in primary school really struggled in, in high school and it was drama that, and music that really got me out of that like you know singing in bands and stuff and we had this yeah. amazing project in Glenn Officer I'm from called Why Create which isn't there anymore sadly because they don't have the funding and that gave kids the space to play music and perform and you know it's just like you know using exciting ways to like teach as well like as you say like yeah. maths like I, if if I was taught maths in that way I would have been much better with numbers than yeah. I yeah because it's such a it's so you know there's it's just making things more fun I, I think my mum will love this episode because um she's a teacher she's going to be really enjoying oh, this but amazing. I just really like this sort of it's, I think we don't speak about it enough and it's great to see you know you being a big advocate of it as well yeah it's like with art as well like I was really into art in high school and my my best more in Norway she she loves to paint like in her house which is just in like not in the middle of nowhere but it's in a very like remote place and she just has like artwork that she's done like everywhere like in the bathroom there's like this massive painting of like a naked woman and it's it's such a cool painting and it's like she's very expressive of what she does and I love painting as well and I'm like I won't say that I'm an amazing painter like Monet but it's it's just really like fun and therapeutic to do so I definitely find with the kind of art as well that kind of influences the kind of music that I like to listen to or sometimes if I just try and like make up my own music, then I kind of sometimes I look at art, especially at the moment, kind of modern art and kind of look at that and then just go from there. So it's like a nice stimulus to go from. Yeah. Yeah, definitely with like music, art and drama, it's like a nice way to kind of express yourself. And especially with music, with, for example, like some kids who um, are artistic, if they're like quite nonverbal and then they kind of like struggle to like express how they feel or like the only way that they express how they feel is just having 
meltdowns or like just not expressing anything they can use music to kind of like go from there and it's amazing like if you just look at clips or go on like the nord of robin's website you can see examples of the work that they do and it's just incredible like how much you can do and it's the same with um people with dementia like oh absolutely like they're playing music from a song from when they were a child that can like perk them up and then have conversations and it's like with that it's not a cure but it's like yeah. it helps like some way and can it really helps with like the kind of well-being like not just for them but for their family as well mm. absolutely um i work in adult care so like we sometimes use that in in our job as well to like help people and you, mu- music is a great like cure mm-hmm. and it's just you know just performance it's just like it, the thing with the arts is it doesn't have to be like you don't have to create for it to go anywhere yeah. you can just create for the sake of creating as a way of expressing and i think yeah hopefully more people can start doing that especially after covid like especially for kids yes. that have been out of school are going to need their need connection more than they ever have so like mm-hmm. i think we need to we hopefully need to invest in that more and and hopefully we do uh, i think i know quite yeah. a lot of the scottish election manifestos in in this country have all promised free music tuition which is good so let's hope there's like please, more please. talks more talks about that yeah um but no, I really enjoyed talking about this subject, but I have some sort of quick fire questions about uh, violin, if okay. you don't mind, Anton. These are just sort yeah, of kind of funner ones. So my first one is your favourite venue you'd had the chance to play in? That's a hard one. Um, Royal Concert Hall in Glasgow. Okay. That's a, that's a cool place. That's a yeah. very, very nice. Okay, another one is like, and this is a very, these are all quite difficult questions. I always like when I ask them, I'm like... <laughs> I don't know if I would do it to answer these in like. Oh, I feel like I'm on a radio show. Like, <laughs> I know. You don't have to be like proper. I don't know why I say quick fire. I should just say fun questions. You can like take time to like explain it if you want. Okay. But the, the, my next one is do you have like a favorite piece of music to play on the violin? I, it's very, very basic and very cliche, but I love Meditation by Massene. It's from the opera Thais. I think that's what it's pronounced. Yeah. And that's one of my favorite pieces. Like I played it for my uni editions and it's just such like a nice lyrical piece. Mm. And it's kind of like my go-to. And also I love playing uh, the pieces from Tchaikovsky's Swan Lake. So I did that for nice. a concert, like, cause there's like the orchestral suite. So kind of like just without the ballet dancers, but it was one of them. Uh, some of the pieces that we did we had like the ballet dancers come out and just do a little bit which was really fun so like obviously just the main theme from swan lake the dance of the signets uh, (laughs) that one is so fun um yeah yeah, those are my uh, favorite pieces And this is another one. Is who are like your big musical influences? Like, is there anyone you particularly look up to that really inspires your work? Definitely Nicola Benedetti because of the work that she's doing at the moment for the Benedetti Foundation. So she's doing all these workshops for like young people playing string instruments, and she also does workshops and gives advice for like music teachers or like school teachers as well. And yeah, it's just really inspirational the work that she does. And I've met her a few times, and I remember. Um, 
when I met her in Dundee last year when she I was doing like a workshop and then she was just like oh I recognize you and I was like mm. Oh my god! <laughs> I was like, oh, it was like, oh, amazing. That's like, yeah, and it was like the last time that I'd like seen her was like six years before that. Mm. So I was like, oh wow. Uh, so yeah, she's definitely someone that I look up to. Sheku Kanamason, the cellist, he played at the Royal Wedding in 2018. He's just he just seems like such like a lovely, genuine person, and like his cello playing is like, so good. Yeah. Yeah. So he just seems like very like humble, down to earth. Because I've always found with some musicians who are quite arrogant or just like not really like fun to be around which just kind of makes the whole experience yeah. less fun but yeah he's also like a big advocate for like music education and yeah he is someone that I look up to as well because like he played at the royal wedding and I would love to play for an event like with like that kind of scale no that's that, that's cool uh, this is actually I've just made I didn't plan this one before the interview but I'm just thinking of it there because I know when I've spoke to quite a lot of musicians on the podcast before they'd all sort of said that a lot of what they listen to isn't actually the sort of music they actually play so I just mm-hmm. wondered is there like a lot of like what other sort of music are you into like bands and like pop music and stuff like that what sort of do you listen to that as well oh of course I do always yeah. I don't know well, why I, I you listen yeah to everyone listen so, to that was a stupid question sorry no <laughs> No, it's good um so my i have during lockdown like out of lockdown boredom i've like made playlists for like specific moods specific occasions so there's a lot of obviously like my friends and i we like listening to britney spears so there's a lot yeah. of, i have like i listen to just a classic like 90s 2000s pop which my flatmate hates because i have a playlist for like when i have a shower which i always like sing out to and always like your music tastes a shit you always have to play music and i'm like it's like it's not shit it's good oh uh, well, i love lily allen oh she's um, great a- uh, amy winehouse she's yeah i love her voice so much and then i always feel like sounds so stupid but i always feel like really sad when it's like the anniversary of her death because i think like this yeah. year it'll be like 10 years since she yeah. like passed wow. away because it's like that's yeah. mental i remember it being in 2011 yeah, yeah i remember when yeah. she died she was one of the yeah. first i remember being like oh my god amy winehouse is dead yeah yeah so, so it was in july wasn't it so yeah it was just yeah i think it's just because like she was like passed away like so young and then it was just kind of like all the struggles that she had going on but her voice is just so like stunning and yeah she's like incredible incredible yeah she's like a go-to person that i listen to i also listen to sigrid a norwegian singer so yeah yeah she's very like pop music very like feel good and my cousin who lives in oslo was actually at a house party with her once oh cool she just yeah because she she knows like her brother so then i like said that to my like my cousin's like, oh yeah, I had a I was at a party with Sigrid once and me and my sister were like, what? When? I also love Nina Nesbitt as well. I remember meeting her at like a few of her gigs when I was like 14 and oh, <laughs> such like, I just remember like being that age and like kind of like going to concerts and then like waiting like backstage to meet them. Oh, I used to love doing that as well. Yeah like getting to meet these like cool like little indie bands that like they were like they didn't yeah. really have a lot of fans at the time I used to do that a lot like, with my friends yeah and then being like I knew them before they were I know it's so band. lame like I remember buying merch from them like oh my god yeah yeah it's oh, like man. oh you don't it's like you don't have the jumper that they wore like when they went to London in 2010 who are you fake man <laughs> no, I'm not I'm not that sad yeah. but also Harry like Harry Styles as well oh man how good is his, his more recent so, album it's so good it's it's hilarious so because yeah it's not the sort of thing I would have like listened to like three years ago when I was a pure like mm-hmm. indie snob and now like my friends all laugh at me because I like just love Harry Styles and I'm just like yes get golden on get it on yeah yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah no no I do I love Harry Styles like oh but I love how he's just like 
like how he embraces himself like for like his fashion and stuff and it's like kind of yeah. breaks kind of like gender norms and stereotypes so it's like yes mm. love that and I also like keep making jokes to my friends I'm like Harry Styles will be my husband I remember there was like a, a TikTok and um, my sister sent me it it was a guy who was on Valentine's Day and he was like Harry Styles hasn't like it's like I can't say ha- a happy Valentine's Day to anyone because I'm not with the one that I love Harry Styles and then my sister was like this is you and I was like you're not wrong <laughs> So, yeah I but I look in the kind of like the discover bit on Spotify as well where it's like oh you listen to this person you you might like that person so mm. I do that a lot and sometimes I just keep like my music on and just see where it happens yeah. and I've got like my classical playlist like one for just kind of focus and if I listen to Debussy he's one of my favorite composers like Claire very de Lune good. like very good yeah love that piece but I always like end up like feeling like really emotional when I hear it and I'm just like I've listened to this 500 times why am I still almost in tears like listening to it like come on that is a very very emotional song though that makes me sad yeah. as well that particular yeah. one yeah. yeah I don't listen to a lot of classical but that one in particular is like oh that gets me in the feels I just I've like a couple of more sort of violin-y questions yeah. um, and there's, there's well there's two but one of them is just sort of what do you make of the local sort of music scene in Edinburgh and Scotland is it like are you involved much in that what what do you think that's like yeah I'm definitely involved in it there's so many like Facebook groups where it's like all musicians wanted in like kind of central Scotland or specific for Edinburgh specific for Glasgow so a lot of people if they post and they're like oh I'm looking for a violinist for this thing so there was like one person looking for violinists and or like just string players based in Edinburgh so I got in touch with him and then I did like a virtual project for him back in November so it was a cover mm. of David Bowie's Life on Mars oh nice um, and I'm still in touch with that composer so and I have like some projects in the works which is exciting so yeah kind of the music scene in Scotland is and in Edinburgh in particular it's very like live and we're all very like keen to get back to playing I went to a recording studio the other day to just record something like for fun with another musician yeah and I just remember like playing into the microphone and then they were like you're right and I was like almost in tears I was just oh, like in the studio in so long and then yeah. we just had like a little jam together and it was we were just saying it was so nice to just like play with another musician like mm. through a screen it's also like a really small scene as well because it's like you can say oh I went to this course and they're like oh so you'll know this person and I'm like oh yeah they're my course mate and they're like oh they're my cousin oh no way and like everyone mm. just kind of that's lovely it's always nice when that happens in the community yeah yeah it's the same with other creative people as well so I like to kind of like branch out so it's like kind of other musicians like people in film actors models designers because I'd love to play for like playing like a score for like a film or a tv show because yeah I just want to like watch like even if it's just like a short film and I'm playing for like 20 seconds I can say to someone I'm like you got 20 seconds of playing that's me well actually you know what that is actually a question I should have asked you and let's just do it you know now to, I'm, I'm break, I'm, fuck my notes I don't need you know this is <laughs> do you have a favorite film score or anything a bit like that like music wise favorite uh, film score um not a film a tv series uh queen's gambit i love oh, i love the score good. for that yeah, and yeah. in, in the most recent podcast episode, I was talking to someone about the costume of the Queen's Gambit, but the music oh, in, in it's great. As, the yeah. music in it's great as well. It's very yeah. Good. I also love the score for Whiplash as well. Oh, so good. Oh, such a good film as well. I, I always make jokes. Film. I always make jokes, and I'm like, see, like the drum instructor. I'm like, that's my violin teacher, and they're yeah. like, what? And I'm like, basically, uh, yeah. he's not as sa- he's not as savage as J.K. Simmons. He's lovely. I also love the score for La La Land as well. Like I only saw that for the first time, like on Christmas, like 
last year. Really? I watched it with my sister. And then we were just like sitting like, oh, this is so romantic. And then I really like it. Yeah. A lot of people, a lot of people sort of slate it, but I, I, I quite yeah. like, I quite like love. Yeah, I, I really liked the film. Like I felt really good afterwards, but I felt like, I don't know, it was like a big roller coaster. Yeah, but sometimes I find like if I'm watching films or TV shows and they have a really good score, like sometimes I just find myself more drawn to the music. Mm. Um, or sometimes more than like the actual film which is bad but it's like I no mean, that just, happens like, to me I mean yeah. especially as a screenwriter as well like I listen to music and I'm like oh the scene would be like this and I'm like you don't get to choose the music if this ever gets made and I'm like but it has to be this song so I love yeah. to use I love to encompass music and stuff into into my work but yeah, yeah. No, that's cool uh, well my last on script question for you was meant to be about violin was meant to just sort of be like what the different roles of a violinist are because obviously in an orchestra yeah. you have more than one so it, it was just for yeah. listening to give them an understanding so in like a kind of standard orchestra you've got all the sections for strings so you've got first violins who mostly play like the melodic line second violins which is harmony line violas which is a bigger violin cellos and double bass and then you've got like your brass instruments woodwind percussion and all that jazz so in an orchestra the kind of orchestra leader is like the person at the first desk of first violins and they're sitting on the right side so they're kind of like facing the stage so they're like the orchestra leader so when like the orchestra sit like comes on and once they've all tuned in like the leader walks on they take a bow they sit down the conductor comes on orchestra stands up and then kind of at the end of the concert the conductor shakes like the lead violinist's hand to just be like thank you for leading the orchestra so yeah that's one role um like being leader or then kind of like after the kind of interval you get to like do the cool thing where like when you tune the orchestra and you just like look at the oboe and you're like a and you're like just move your hands about you're like it's like an a for like the brass the woodwinds and then strings and mm. it just I just feel so like I've got to like I led an orchestra once and it was really fun I was like oh I get to do the cool like I was like oh I get to bow I get to do the cool like mm. uh, tuning thing where people are like oh that looks so important and really I'm just like just making faces and like moving my hands about and then in like a string quartet you've got two violins viola and a cello so uh, string quartets are fun so it's just four players soloist there's a lot of different roles that you can do like you can just be like kind of orchestra member but i i love playing in orchestras because it's like kind of everyone's equal so it's like because you're all like you're all dressed in black and you're all like playing like the same piece of music and it's just kind of like the social aspect for for me it's just like oh we're all doing something together that we all just have like a common thing in common for and yeah, then it's fun afterwards to go to the pub after the concert and or sometimes yeah. before the concert, but yeah. <laughs> Even more fun. Um Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Andrea, I've got like uh, sort of two more questions for you. And we like to ask everyone that comes on the podcast, what's the sort of worst part-time job you've had to work or a job you hated to sort of support your your art and stuff? You don't oh, have to name the company, good. don't worry. Oh, that's a good one. So, oh, so, oh my God. The job I have. No, no, I love the job I have just now. Um, so <laughs> near the end of first year of uni, I got a job as a bartender at a Spoons, um, the one next to Waverly Station. So it was, yeah, yeah. it was a lot of people like waiting for trains or it was a lot of people. It's mayhem in there, up. isn't it? It was always yeah, mayhem. Yeah, it was always like people coming from like Newcastle for like Stagdos or, or Hen Weekends. And then I'm um, just like, oh, you're here for like a Hen Weekend. Like, yeah, it's like, oh, nice what else you're saying is like oh we're just going here and then getting the train back I'm like so you've gotten on a train 
to Edinburgh to go to a Spoons next to the train station. <laughs> like, what a shit hen do. Like, there's so much in Edinburgh. There's so many other pubs that you could do that in. And I'm just like, okay, cool. On, yeah, on you so, go, on you go. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, you do you. Yeah, so that was fun. I remember, like, the first time, like, just being on the bar, like, it was, like, quite tricky at first because it would, like, it always, like, oh, you've not got enough head on that paint or, oh, you've got too much. And then, but, like, the more, like, I practiced, like, the better I got pouring pints and it was fine. It's mostly just tenants so I was pouring. Or it'd be like the group of people, they'd do like a big order and I'm like, oh, anything else? And we're like, oh, and a Guinness. And I'm like, can you not have ordered that first? Like, it takes so long. Yeah, so I remember it was, I think it was like around Wimbledon. So everyone was ordering uh, Prosecco. So then we had to get our ice buckets, champagne flutes. And then because so many people were ordering Prosecco, the glasses, they were getting washed. And then I said to these Karens and I explained to them, because so many people have ordered Prosecco, we've not got champagne flutes at the moment. You can wait five minutes and then they'll be ready. But if you feel you can't wait, I can just use wine glasses. You're like, wine glasses for Prosecco? You're having a laugh. And I was oh, just God. like, oh, and then God. she was like, I, it's like, do you not have any on hand? And I said, I told you, like, they're being washed just now. I'm just thinking if you just want, like, the ones that have been used and, like, be my guest. And she's like, do you have a supervisor I could speak to? And I was like, so then I got the supervisor and he said the exact thing and she was just like I, I'm sorry I refuse to drink Prosecco from a wine glass oh my like, god oh yeah my so god. and um <laughs> when I finished up first year of uni I like moved back home and then I transferred to the Wetherspoons in Dumfries Robert the Bruce oh yeah that's another cultural thing about Robert the Bruce um, yeah, uh, yeah, about, yeah. not Robert the Bruce about Dumfries there we go yeah um <laughs> well Spoons named after him so there that was go. fun, like serving like kind of old teachers from high school and oh like you're my PE teacher. And it's like, oh, what can I get for you? They're like, I was like, oh Mr. Sharp, how are you? He's like, oh, call me Kev. And I'm like, <laughs> oh. it's like, what do you want? It's like, oh yeah. And I just remember someone there was kind of toilet duties at the pub. So it was literally every hour or so you go and make sure there's enough toilet paper, there's not any like fluids anywhere. So luckily, like all the times I've been in, I just like check, I'm like, okay, yeah, we've got toilet roll and then sometimes I would just have to change the like toilet roll and that was it and then someone like who was working with in the Dumfries Spoons they were like oh I'm just gonna check the toilets we'll be back soon and I was like awesome fine and then he came back and he was like oh it was like someone's taking a shit in the sink in a disabled toilet again and I was like again oh, this is a regular <laughs> thing <laughs> yeah I was like this is a regular thing and they're like yeah but I think like the worst thing I stopped working there kind of like second year of uni because I was, I hated like having these kind of jobs where it's like, you're not knowing like when you're working, you get your rota kind of like a week mm, or so in advance. Difficult. Cause it was yeah. like, people are like, oh, can we do this? I'm like, I don't know if I'm working. But then with the job I have now, it's like, I work the same days, same hours. So I'm like, okay, that's fine. I like having that structure. So then this Dumfries Spoons, it was a horrible like moment where it was, I just, I was about to like clock out and it was like half two in the afternoon. And I had a supervisor was like, oh, Andrea, I hate to do this, but someone's just uh, thrown up at table one like do you mind cleaning it up and I was just like oh no and then I was just thinking oh that's really bad like how could someone get so drunk at like the middle of the afternoon and then like not even make it to the toilet and then I looked out at table one and I just felt like Will in that episode of the in-betweeners because it was just like people like disabled people with their carers and obviously one of them had thrown up and I was just like I'm I'm the worst person ever and then what made it worse was that I just said to my supervisor I was like I've clocked out and I need to go so I'm going oh so, no no I just didn't I just felt so like awful and like awkward that I'd like even thought that and I was like I don't want to clean up on it so yeah I don't think I could go back into like 
hospitality like ever again. <laughs> no, spoons are cancelled now anyway after the pandemic. I say that. Oh, I'll prob- yeah. I guarantee I'll probably end up drinking there again because, you know, we all will yeah. at some point because it, you know, yeah, just whatever reason. Martin, but yeah. I am looking yeah, forward. Well, you're making me very excited for a pint and the, when you were talking yeah. there. So I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. Um, oh. Well, you'd sort of given some good insights and advice throughout this episode yeah. but uh, just sort of we like to round off the podcast just by getting everyone to sort of share with, with us like what their advice would be to anyone that maybe wants to get into the arts in general but maybe more specifically wants to work in music and be a violinist yes so um, I took a few notes definitely like getting into music and specifically like strings or like more violin it's very competitive so chances are you will get like if you have additions for like uni courses or orchestras like I've not done um, orchestra auditions yet like I would love to play for an orchestra but at the moment I feel like it's something I would want to do like later in life so definitely I would say like develop a thick skin like do as much kind of performing as you can to get kind of used to playing in front of people just like get your name out there as well so like during I think it was September I was set up like I eventually got around to making a website and a Facebook page and I put it off for so long because I thought I'm going to get ripped to shreds for it. People are going to make fun of me. And then I made this website and then I got really nice feedback and people were like, oh, I really like your website. I'm really impressed you made this. And yeah, just make like a lot of connections like on Instagram, Facebook. Like with me, it's like with my like violin account, I just follow like a lot of other musicians and like creative people. And then yeah. I like to kind of collaborate with other people, even if it's like something kind of out with music. But yeah, just really get your name out there and... If you're like in high school or whatever, like volunteer in like your local town, city, wherever, like if there's an event, you could say, oh, I play this instrument. I would love to play this piece because then chances are there's a lot of people there. And then from there, like someone could say, oh, I need a violinist for this thing. Um, And then you can get recommended. Yeah. So it's making like a good network, having like a good network and like getting your name out there, just putting yourself out to do volunteer for things. But also if you get offered a lot of unpaid things, like you can say no to that because if you want to do it, if you're doing it as a profession, then it's like, oh God, yeah. Yeah, it's like the amount of times I've had people say, oh, can you play like this, like four hours of music? And I'm like, yeah. And I'm like, here, it's like, oh, uh, what's the fee? And they were like, oh, I can buy you a drink. I can buy you a drink. It's like, um, it's like if you can buy me a drink, you can pay me. It's ridiculous. Yeah, so, yeah, so I've done some things like kind of during the pandemic where I've like done that for free but it's because I miss performing but also very like to the point I'm like this is what I charge for when I teach and for like rates for hopefully I can play at events soon then I say to people like we can discuss rates because it would depend like how much like how much music I play yeah it's an absolute balance isn't it like with stuff like that because we have a very unhealthy industry and the creative industry in general because I have it as well like I will Mm. I'm happy to do things for free because I'm very passionate and like certain things Mm -hmm. I am happy to do things unpaid but like they're become it does get to a point where it is a bit ridiculous and that it's expected and it actually sometimes puts you at disadvantage if you don't do something for free which is shouldn't be the case so we do really need to look at that as a wider industry and I think it is getting better but um yeah important thing yeah so yeah definitely just yeah like so what just building like a good social media presence because if you don't put your name out there and then you're thinking oh I'm not getting any gigs I'm not getting any people to teach it's like well you're not getting yourself out there so people don't know you're available for this Mm. so then 
I'm like I love doing a bit of self promo, and then before I felt really like self conscious. I was like, oh god, people are going to think I'm yeah. fine, but I'm like, it's actually paid off. So no, it's it's good. Like that's yeah. you know obviously like how sort of this interview came about as well from like you going on lockdown links and yeah. like you know getting to know who you were and stuff. So it's, there is a yeah. really nice community, and I've found Instagram very positive. The podcast we get a lot of great things through Instagram and find a lot of great yeah. guests for it. So there is positives to social media. It's obviously yeah. a balance. Like everything, there's good and bad things, but yeah, that's very good advice for people i think you know just putting yourself out there and, and building that network is essential so thank you very yeah. much it's all good thank you for your time andrea oh, thank you very much <laughs> thank you for listening to this week's episode of just get a real job i hope you enjoyed my conversation with andrea i'd like to thank her once again for giving us her time if you want to find out a bit more about her work there is a link to her website in the show notes there's links to some of her other stuff as well go and find out a bit more about what she does as always as well if you're enjoying the podcast remember to give us a five-star review on apple podcasts or google podcasts or whatever you're listening if there's an option to rate us please give us a five-star review that goes a long long way there's also other things you can do to help us keep growing and one of the best things you can do is by telling friends to listen anything like that goes a long long way in continuing us to keep growing the podcast and also if you can afford to donate to our patreon page literally whatever you you could afford to donate to that would be much much appreciated and all the money we make goes back into making this podcast the best podcast it can be but as always thank you for listening and wherever you are in the world i hope you're well and we'll be back again next week with another episode of just get a real job just get a real job